This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I am your host, Anne Gripper. I'm going to see if I can remember how to do this because we finally managed to share a special guest interview with you last week. So thank you to everybody who sent nice messages about the Kensington Palace discussion that we had with Tom Quinn. And also thank you to everybody who sent nice messages and your feedback on the big debates that Russell and I had last time we were together when we were talking about all the fallout from that interview. Um, There will be a bit of Sussex updating happening later in the show, but we're going to try and talk about some normal and happy royal things first, aren't we, Russell? Nice to see you again. Daily Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Did you have a nice week off? I did, but I was just saying to Dan, producer Dan, that I got to about like Friday, Saturday, and I was thinking, oh my God, I've got to go back to work next week. But yeah, it's always the way, isn't it? You end up doing loads of jobs. So I got some jobs done. So that's good. Well, good. I'm very glad to hear it. So when when the news came through, Prince Philip was out of hospital and then had a message from Russell. By the way, I'm off on, I'm having a week off this week, I'm not doing the podcast. So it's like, it's okay. Prince Philip is not dying. He's gone home. Everything is well. All is well. Russell can relax. Was well, I ended happened? up working, but I just was checking in saying I'm not doing the podcast. You're such a hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's good news. Very good news for, for Philip. About, I'm told he's doing very well, actually. So that is good news. Um, Back home and causing trouble, I am no sure. Doubt. No doubt. Exactly. And, and more good news that emerged this morning, Zara and Mike. Tyndall's baby boy has arrived. I feel we need some trumpets or something. You know, Dan will have to slot them in somewhere. Uh, yeah, this is lovely news. Very news. This was this morning that this has uh, come out that uh, Mike Tyndall revealed on his podcast, and his rugby podcast. What's that noise? I don't know what that noise is. You've clearly got ghosts. Is that my in your, head? Yeah. But <laughs> what I must give, so, I mean, we really like the name of our podcast, Pod Save the Queen. Thank goodness for the sub-editor who came up with that piece of genius. But the uh, the name of Mike Tyndall's rugby pod- podcast is The Good, The Bad and The Rugby, Very which good. I also like. It so. is good. It is good. Um, no, this is lovely news. Um, most madly because Zara gave birth on the bathroom floor can you believe and you've listened to the uh to the actual clip I've listened to the clips I've come in late so yeah tell me all about it there's a five minute clip on YouTube so they're just chatting and like Mike Tyndall's yes the rugby that was quite dramatic on Saturday and then it got better on Sunday baby boy arrived at my house and they were like yay and then when he is busy telling his colleagues you know big hairy rugby players so they're obviously delighted for him but when he is giving them the sort of the gory details of yeah so the baby arrived on the bathroom floor uh the midwife who was meant to be at the hospital with us she fortunately lived quite closely so she managed to come over the second midwife arrived when the head was coming out or just after the head came out and then you've got so you've got james haskell who's like an enormous he's a former england international rugby player plays in the back row and has since become a cage fighter so he's like this massive muscle man <laughs> and he's just making like faces of horror at the idea of you know basically they're talking about the 
the queen's granddaughter <laughs> popping out a baby on the bathroom floor it and then it's tremendous it's great so my kids he'd run off to the gym to get a mat and like towels down and then he's like yeah brace 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 oh it sounds word. like it was crazy i read, read the transcript just from, from this morning and uh yeah talking about arrived very quickly in the bathroom floor and he had to run to there where they do their gym workouts to grab a yoga mat and yep. then it was on the phone to the midwife before it all kicked off. So fair play to the man. Fair play to him. So he, so and he did, to Zara, to be well, fair. Yes, he, did, he did say that she was a warrior and was full of, full of praise Love for that. her. And it sounds, it. Like, sounds like they're getting on well. They'd been out and about for a walk. But um, he also said they'd always struggled with names and they'd never had a name before the babies arrived. But this one does have a name. He is Lucas Philip Tyndall, second second royal arrival recently with Philip as a middle name, but there is an extra good reason, not just Prince Philip, to have Philip in um, in his name, and that is Mike's dad. His father is called Philip, yes. So that is very lovely. And um, obviously Lucas is very lucky because he has two big sisters, Mia and Lena, so they weren't around at the time, but um, it sounds like they are... And your claim to fame because he tweeted you, didn't he? Yes, to clarif- years ago. clarify how Lena's name is said after um, one of the listeners was asking. And um, yeah, so Mia wouldn't take sort of the answers. So the kids had been sent away for the day because Zara had been having contractions. And I think they were thinking, okay, yeah, so something something is happening here. So someone else, don't know who, don't know who was doing sort of friend or granny daycare. Maybe it was Princess Anne. We didn't, we didn't know weren't told but she was like but why aren't we going home for tea but why <laughs> that's what she, that would be my question yeah yeah, yeah. And whereas Lena was just like my baby and she was she keeps going to pick it up and then um clearly Mike is glad to have some male company already because he was like yeah it's great being at home we had the skin on skin time and then I took him downstairs put the telly on there was an old rugby match on it's like yep we're watching a bit of this and um, cross code match and then we watched the golf so it's like yeah i've got my little i've got my little man mate now so very cool very cool so, well best but i mean it's just lovely lovely news lovely lovely news congratulations to them and best of luck congratulations as well to pippa and james on the arrival of their daughter grace and then um we also had another lovely little picture from princess eugenie on on mother's day of her her baby august out in the flowers and saying how she was very much enjoying being his mummy which was very cute so yeah it's lovely well spring has sprung hasn't it spring has sprung i, I hope you did something into... nice for mrs myers on mother's day i did actually i uh, i got flowers i got a card i wrote it with my left hand so it looked like it had been drawn like a child and all <laughs> <laughs> the usual you know it was nice it was lovely and well I, was, I was actually looking up about spring and i thought that spring was at easter but there's actually it isn't it's before well, when exactly spring is has been surprisingly contentious this year because obviously there's been various politicians and medical people saying that, you know, the pandemic will be over by spring. And then uh, all, of the, yes. all of the political reports, it's like, yes, but when is spring? So you've got the, you've got the um, equinox, which I think was what was used to herald the first day of spring was the day after the equinox. Right. So we had we had lovely pictures of the royals posting hooray for hooray for spring. There's a nice picture of Charles and Camilla among among the flowers and the sort of slightly odd expression on their faces. I thought maybe maybe Camilla was saying, Charles, you've got to talk to me, not the plants. <laughs> <laughs> that in my head was what was happening. Um, so there's that spring. You've still got Easter moves around though. Easter can't be the start of spring. No, no. Well, that's how, that's the, the issue, isn't it? Because Easter moves around so much. I can't anyway. keep up with all this, to be honest. 
Well, anyway, who knows? I mean, all we all we know is we're still we're still we're still at home. We're still here. The Facebook it's, memories yeah. came up this week of um, of the cricket set that my husband had purchased for use in the garden. As he posted it, um, you know, whatever, optimistically on Facebook, so saying, "Oh, ready, ready, ready for working from home now with the man alive." One yeah. year later, here we are still. Goodness me, what a Day 383 oh. of working from home oh has produced a damn Gosh. Oh, my so, word. But on the plus side, though, we are still here, all hail and hearty. And we'll be talking in a little bit about the sort of the reflection a year on um, that has gone on earlier this week. Um, going back to Mother's Day, Mothering Sunday, yeah. there's also the... I thought it was interesting that the Cambridges did choose to share their sort of really quite personal thing that they do on mother's day each year that it not not the kids you know cards for their their mum that they've made at nursery or whatever but but that they make cards for granny diana and to as, as partly as a, like a nice thing for william to sort of yeah uh, this is lovely and this is sort of creeping in further and further i think uh, of william talking about diana and the fact that he talks to his children when he's putting them to bed and talks with them <clears throat> about granny diana and sort of keeping his mother's memory alive and i think that that's quite important just not only um making sure that the public don't forget her in in, in when, when he talks about her and he's we've had him talking, uh, I think when he went to a, an event at The Passage, the homelessness charity last year, maybe a year before, and was, where are we, what year? Um, but talking about how when his mother brought him to those events and now he's sort of passing that on to his children when they're driving on a school run and looking at seeing homeless people and the kids obviously ask questions and talking about how when his mother brought him to a homelessness charity and said, you know, society can't be at rest if if uh, unless we we sort you know or attempt to sort out these these issues with with homelessness and and such issues in society um but talking about granny diana and talking about how you know that the children did did have there was two grandmothers around and that's a very very personal element of it but i think by talking about it it sort of uh, allows um and this was a part of the mother's day um, announcement or you know post on post on the in, on the Instagram, Gosh, on the Instagram. Well, on the, <laughs> <laughs> but talking about how this Mother's Day will once again be very different and obviously it's very different for a lot of people um, not only of people who have passed away but you know we're all still in a lockdown we're all still struggling with the pandemic but I think it was um, interesting to, that putting that across of how we're still looking forward to seeing our loved ones and I'm just going to read it. Many of us will be apart from our loved ones, but looking forward to a time in the not too distant future when we can give our mothers a hug again. But each year, but then saying that each year on Mother's Day, George, Charlotte and Louis make cards remembering their granny, Diana for William, which was very sweet. And the pictures tell the story of how he's putting this, you know, front and centre of their lives almost so they don't forget her legacy and and then we we won't forget it by them talking about it so um again so when they open these windows to their world sometimes i think it's really important because it lets you know what sort of a person that william is is, shape, is shaping up to to be, become well, as a kate, father as well yeah, indeed. yeah probably yeah. this is you know you can imagine that this would be something that kate 
would do with the with the children maybe and I, but I, I think it is I think there's a couple of things as well that are interesting around it I think there has been a slight sort of change of tone in the things that the royals share on sort of anniversaries and birthdays and significant dates because it is the pandemic and it is a bit less like here's a lovely new picture um although hopefully we will get some of those with the um little cambridges with their series of birthdays coming up because that that will be nice and it's being aware that it's it is not a 100% i mean obviously it's never a 100% happy world but it's particularly sort of you know there's it's a different mood and you don't want to kind of come crashing in with um with joy into people's worlds on something which is potentially a difficult day so i think but it also i think it was it was very personal and you know given the conversations we've been having over the last few months about privacy and how much of your life you're prepared to give away or it's your duty to give away or the royal family expect you to give away and i think it was an interesting choice that they made to do that i mean you know fine cynic cynics will say well it's a pr thing and they just want to be made to look good and and what have you but i think it was it was um it was very sweet and not like it's a really it's just a lovely idea as well and you think you think about how much those kids have to learn you know how i think we quite we talk about it you know had when and how do you tell a small child that it's in some future time he will be the king that is a big thing to have to deal with but then how do you you know you kind of want to protect children from death from for as long as possible but when such a significant person who should have been a huge person in their life they've never been able to meet them so you've already got this thing of like how do you how do you explain that my mum, if you're William, my mum's not here. Camilla's your granny, but she's not my mum. And, you know, there's an explanation there and like all of the, you know, tortured backstory of it all, which I can't imagine they know just yet at primary school, but there's that whole thing. But then also like, how do you explain or when is it relevant to explain to small children what an icon essentially their dead grandmother was and how you can get a sense of that i don't know like it's just well, it's steps, isn't it? yeah it is mind-boggling and i think that you that as you just said that they're probably not aware of so many of the intricacies of it not only being a global icon but what she stood for how she was perceived in britain and, and across the world it's just his mum i suppose and yeah he probably explained that she she's sadly no, no no longer with us and um and I'm sure that they're very, very personal conversations and they will then grow up to, with an understanding of how she is as mm. his mother and then will develop into in their understanding of her, her as a global figure. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, but again, personally, I don't know how you talk to children about grief and death. And it's something that um, you have to take a personal viewpoint on it really, isn't it? But I, but good that you are, that you're speaking about it. I can only, think that openness is the best way to do to deal with these things and it definitely seems that like that both the cambridges are doing that um are doing that with diana because it's it's a fact of life isn't it and it's a, it's quite a, it's just such a big part of who he is and certainly when he's speaking about his mum harry speaks about his mother all the time and um and i'm sure he will continue to do so especially in his new job as you know talking about mental health advocacy and, and what have you um so so yeah on it openness is probably the best policy 
And um, we also had Harry essentially talking about his mum in the foreword for a book that's going to be given to the children of frontline workers who've died. Yes, this is rather lovely again. And, and I talk about Harry speaking about his mother because when he did that first sort of foray into the corporate world, when he was doing that speech at JP Morgan last summer um, in Miami, and he was speaking about the fact that he'd had counselling for the last three years and speaking about uh, the, the deep effect that his mother had had on him. Um, I think this is something we're going to see more of him and we'll come on to his, his new job in a little bit. But he was talking about his own experience of losing a parent um, in this in forward to uh, a, a book, basically, which has been written for children who've experienced the loss of a parent or, or loved one during during the pandemic. And it's called Hospital by the Hill. And it tells essentially tells the story of a young person coming to terms with the loss of their mum, who was a frontline worker in a hospital. And as the, the theme of it is that... Um, just teaching children to speak, uh, you know, children from all walks of life who have lost a loved one to speak about their loss and about what their parent or loved one meant to them. And again, like I was speaking about with William about openness and about, you know, hopefully if I ever have that need to speak to children about a a loved one that has been lost, I think that's how you deal with grief, isn't it? To be, to be open and not, and not a closed book. And, and, and this is exactly what Harry was saying. I've just, it up here actually he says um you know if you were reading this book it's because you have lost lost your parent or a loved one and while i wish i was able to hug you right now i hope this story is able to provide you with comfort in knowing that you are not alone and then he goes on to talk about you know when i was a young boy i lost my mum and at the time i didn't want to believe or accept it and it left a hole a huge hole inside of me uh, i know how you feel and i want to assure you that over time that hole will be filled with so much love and support. We all cope with loss in different ways, but when a parent goes to heaven, I was told their spirit, their love, and the memories of them do not. They're always with you, and you can hold on to them f- forever. I find this to be true. I mean, it's very, very sweet, and um, and just a, a lovely, lovely sentiment. Lovely sentiment. And so that book was given out to um, the bereaved children as part of the Day of Reflection, which was, I mean, you know the coronavirus pandemic has been such a sort of a moving a moving thing about when it when it actually started but the in terms of the UK the sort of the day everybody's lives changed um and we sort of we knew that this was going to be absolutely like nothing we had seen before was was the sort of initial lockdown stay at home don't go out and so there's obviously been reporting on it this week um, about, you know, what the state of play was then. And I think, I think there were fewer than 2000 people had died at that stage. And now we're at more than 125,000. And it's just, you know, it's sort of mind boggling the way it has all, um, the way well, it's, it's, it has all it's unfolded. The, it's the people who have been in hospital as well. I mean, I was speaking to a doctor friend the other day and he's saying that, you know, if you hear people saying, well, ultimately some people will have died and um, they were, a lot of people were elderly. I mean, it's the, it's the unquantifiable issue of people being in hospital. And lots of these people will have been scarred for life and their families and their loved ones will have been absolutely scarred by this process. So 
Um, I mean, I think well, we're all we're all still coming to terms with it, and this is what the day of reflection was about, which is why that the Queen, um, you know, and the Cambridges were were leading it essentially, and arguably Harry was doing his bit from from over overseas in this um, tremendous forward to the book, but the Queen, actually sent some flowers to to the to the staff at St Bart's. I think they would have preferred a tub of roses, but you know. <laughs> That's well, maybe you might nurses. not be allowed. Maybe you're not allowed to share the share the foods in the oh, same well, way. I didn't think because you'd have to be. Get, I mean, you'd, I guess you'd have to throw them all out over a table and have somebody yeah. like spread them out so you're not all. Um, you'd have to detail the, all of the individual <laughs> sweets, and his which job I think would, that be? would be detrimental to the taste of the chocolate. I, I have didn't to say think about that actually, but you're right. Um, anyway, so she sent these flowers, and they are very lovely. I I did have the list of what they were, but. They're just pretty flowers that right. I, I saw. Um, Russell, see, as good on flowers as he is on fashion. <laughs> I think there was some tulips in there. I'm not too sure. But the Queen was reflecting, essentially, on what she said, which I can read you her words, but she, she sent these flowers to the staff at St Bart's who were, um, who were looking after her husband, the Duke of Edinburgh, recently, where he had his heart surgery. But the message is rather sweet, actually. It says... And I won't need you to do your Queen voice for this one because no, it's a little bit serious. serious. So, yeah, it's, uh, the, Queen, the Queen's message says, as we look forward to a brighter future today, we pause to reflect on the grief and loss that continues to be felt by so many people and families and pay tribute to the immeasurable service of those who have supported us all over the last year. And I think we all echo those sentiments of the Queen, don't we? Because, gosh, again, you know, to the conversations that I've had with many people you know, doctor friends or people with nurses and working in hospitals. I mean, man alive, they, they, they've really been at the coal face, and that's putting it mildly, of this global pandemic that nobody ever thought that they would see in their lifetime and sort of thing you just read in mm. history books or horror stories. And, uh, and they deserve our continued praise and admiration. And I think that's what the, Queen, um, the Queen's message summed up perfectly. I think it was seeing, you know, the the royals are continuing to visit vaccination centres and hospitals and different places. Like I've, I've really, I really enjoyed their visit to the um, the paramedics and Prince William being on like an impromptu phone call to um, I think it was to India and meet Bangladesh. Bangladesh, Bangladesh sorry, that brilliant that yeah, very good. to chat with various members of um, of the paramedics family. <laughs> She's mentioned like I think we better go now, so good. Um, so good. which is very cute. And then obviously. Part of the success of the vaccination rollout is that all kinds of buildings are being used. So, you know, rugby stadiums and all sorts. Um, but also Westminster Abbey is a vaccination centre, Poets Corner. So it's still doing daily communion services, but there's also this vaccination corner where people are going in and getting vaccinated and that was where William and Kate went to on the day of reflection obviously you know a place that was packed with people for their wedding nearly 10 years ago hope William and they'll have to be putting their thinking caps on for some good anniversary presents 10 years better get it in early that decade it's a pretty big one isn't it um yes this is pretty extraordinary imagine it's better than a car park in Croydon isn't it (laughs) you can go to your go to have your vaccination uh, next to royalty in uh, in Westminster Abbey. I was pretty impressed by it actually. But very nice images of um of William and Kate yesterday. Where are we in space time and continuing? This was Tuesday afternoon, uh, going to speak to some of the staff there. And again, not only big up 
Britain's rollout of the vaccine, uh, which were, what are we at, 30 million doses now or something? Lots Crazy. and lots and lots of people. So they're just sort of supporting the staff, giving them a bit of a G up, talking about the vaccination programme as we've come to ex- uh, you know, expect from the, the Royals recently, but also <laughs> William making a bit of a joke saying uh, I get jabbed all the time. That's a spance, banter off the scale. Um, the, but he was saying, you know, he hadn't had his vaccination yet, but he's used to have vaccinations going to all these far-flung places as on his travels. But um, just supporting the vaccination rollout and also taking a moment to themselves because they were obviously in the place where they got married and it was part of the day of reflection. But uh, when they, in the Abbey, by the shrine of um, Edward the Confessor, they both held a minute silence and William lit a candle and Kate left a bunch of daffodils, which was the, um, the flower of the National Day of Reflection. And um, she's been a... It's not the first time that she's left daffodils this month in a sort of a poignant... From ceremony. the garden as From well. the garden. So she took... Um, she took daffodils to Clapham Common. So I don't oh, I don't know whether this story will have travelled sort of further afield, but the year, the week of Meghan and Harry's big interview, the other big story that was absolutely consuming the news cycle was the um disappearance of a young woman who'd been walking home um in South London and then who was later found dead um and the man who has been arrested um and charged with her murder and will stand trial for it is a serving metropolitan police officer so there was a huge amount of sort of you know i don't know it it really outpouring of grief yeah and certainly it a bit sort of a commentary on the, the, the social situation of how women do not feel safe walking the streets and I've been you know had an awful lot of conversations with with friends and my sisters and it's been really quite shocking to hear of you know pretty much every single woman I know had their experiences of being targeted um and and this has opened up a huge huge conversation isn't it so that was kind of ongoing and then there was this big um debate partly because of the you know the the lockdown rules that we're living under at the moment so women wanted to gather on Clapham Common and have a vigil for for Sarah Everard and also for um sort of other victims female victims of violence essentially but partic- particularly for Sarah Everard and for mm-hmm. people to come together for, to come together in in solidarity but because of the lockdown restrictions, the organisers were told not to go ahead with this vigil. So Kate actually said there were, there were a lot of people that were coming and, and laying flowers at the bandstand on Clapham Common. And Kate went and sort of a relatively low-key um, visit. I mean, there's always a slight question of, you know, how low-key is it or not? I mean, it was described as a private visit, I think, wasn't it? It wasn't... Well, it was... Um, it was, was, cool, it was, was caught on camera. She wasn't wearing a mask. I mean, I think you'd probably recognise the Duchess of Cambridge even if she was wearing yeah, a mask. No, but- I was just going to explain a little bit. It was a private visit. There was no heads up to, to any of, you know, myself or my colleagues. Nobody knew about it. The person who actually um, saw her was a Sky News journalist who was there in a private capacity, a local resident, and was um, attending the vigil. Or there was a, lots of people attending the laying flowers. And, and he actually saw Kate 
lay the flowers with no um, private protection around her. She paused for a moment and then, you know, he's a journalist. He got his phone out and he recorded her. And, and I think the reaction from the palace was, you know, this was a private moment, but they were, um, they were willing to, to, to take us through the, her thinking behind it. She didn't want to make a big deal out of it because it was not about her. It was about Sarah Everard. And, um, and certainly, you know, it's the conversations I was having with people at the palace were that she felt very, very strongly about it. And, and let's not forget, we're in a lockdown situation as well um, in the UK. But she felt so strongly about it. Kate lived less than three miles away from this scene where Sarah Everard was last seen. Um, as a young woman living in Chelsea uh, before she met William or before, before she was um, married to William. And so, you know, and I think she's, she's a young woman. She's really reflected on her time living in London and, uh, and it really struck a nerve. And that's, this is why it's become such a talking point. Oh yeah. I think she, I think the line was something like, you know, she remembers what it is like to be a young woman walking on, walking around on London streets or something, something like that. That's, Devastating. Not like, you know, that personally, when I've heard, spoken to, whether I've heard that or I've spoken to female friends, that's, it's really shocking. Um, and this is why it's really good to have mm. this conversation. And yes, it made front page headlines all around, all around the world. Um, in and, terms of some, and I was just going to say, in terms of some context for people who are not familiar with Clapham, like essentially anybody who has lived in London at any stage and is sort of a, a young professional has either probably lived in Clapham or has had a friend who has lived in Clapham. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and they have probably been to a party in Clapham or possibly to the terrible yes. nightclub yes. Infernos. And spot. it's, you know, it's where it's sort of, it is one of the common places where young people moving to London would, would think to would think to go live really it's sort of you know it's it's quite middle class it's quite you know it's young professional um it's got a good sort of social scene and it's you know it's like a you know it's 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 a night it's a nice place it's got this big this big common um and it's i think it is so i don't know i think that's part of why it touched a nerve because it was there and everybody everybody you know, I mean, well, everybody, everybody I know has been yeah, to Clapham at some stage. Yeah, like. and it's, you know, it's a nice environment. It's not the sort of place where um, one would expect to be, you know, abducted or murdered or, um, or, or, or big high-level crime happening. And that's why it's, um, it's really, really touched a nerve with the public consciousness. I mean, an absolute tragic case. And I think that, yeah, it was right. It was right that if Kate wanted to go, that she went in a, in a private capacity. We may never have known about it. Listen, she was there not wearing a mask. She was, uh, um, she's recognisable. Someone may have snapped a picture and we may have been told about it at a later date. But um, I don't think it did any harm. I think it raised the profile of... Um, of, of the issue a little bit more perhaps even though it's mm. a huge issue yeah, I mean there's, there are still people donating to charities um, in Sarah Everard's name and they have raised over half a million pounds at the moment and they're going to, to women's grassroots charity so if you want to get involved then it's easily um, accessible so that was a, um, yeah a big su- sort of surprise it was a very um... well, it's very emotive it was, it? It was very it's, it's, I think it's, some yeah. people some people I think saw it as a little bit political because there had been this big row 
going on about whether should people should be allowed to gather or not. I don't I don't think it. Well, was. you know what? That's why that's why I think she should be applauded because yeah, it she, yes, she possibly did break the rules. I know that Boris Johnson or the or number ten wouldn't be drawn on it or whether she had broken lockdown rules, but. You know, there have been protests throughout lockdowns in the UK. Um, and this was another one that that unfortunately didn't, you know, it was soured, wasn't it? Because there were some issues with the police at the time. Um, however, I just think this really sort of hammers home the message of how personal it was to her. And, and I saw an awful lot of other young women are feeling like that at the moment. And so... Um, and so it's about time that their their voice was heard in 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 Sarah Everard's name. That's my my personal opinion. Yeah, no, I I think I you know I fully respect her right to go and um go and lay the flowers and happenstance that the sharp sharp eyed sky person happened to spot her. So that's the perils of being a royal. No no private visit is ever truly private. Mm, um, true couple of things that are coming up slash not coming up before we move on to discussing the sort of the Sussex world. Trooping the colour is off. It's off. Well, we might get a little one like back we in at Windsor Castle. That was always my bet, wasn't it? But yeah. I can't see how that, you know, it can go ahead. It could have gone ahead. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't saying anything out of the ordinary. I think that that's, it's, it's a, a massive spectacle, isn't it? With a couple of thousand people marching around the place. So it's uh, it's not going to be able to happen this year, which is a little bit sad. I'm looking forward to seeing it once again on a resplendent summer's day. But in better the to wait and do it at the right time. Good so things come to those who wait. And Indeed. like our reunion, imagine like how great it will be. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we, we may get a little one in uh, the quadrangle of, um, of Windsor Castle once again. So... That'll be nice. And it's something to look forward to for the Queen's birthday. Um, And Charles and Camilla are off to Greece. Off on their... Yeah, which they're get, possibly getting a little bit of heat about, particularly because well, so the, rule, the rules are going to change from, on Monday. You're not allowed to travel abroad, and yep. you know all of this. Apart from apart from if you've got a second home, it would appear like there seems to be. Or you're a royal. Or yeah, you're. I mean, well, the argument is presumably that they are travelling for work. Well, the, the argument is that they are going on the on um, at the request of the British government, and also at the request of an invitation from the Prime Minister of Greece. But yes, they are there to um, join in the commemorations and celebrations of the bicentenary of independence in Greece, which sounds jolly nice. I love Greece. I would have loved to have gone. <laughs> However, um, whilst the Greek government were waiving sort of the co, yeah, as long as you had a negative test within 72 hours of, of traveling you weren't you didn't need to quarantine in greece but the british government was saying that you needed you i me and the rest of the press back would need to uh, quarantine for 10 days on uh, on our return to the uk and still have two negative tests in that period so I'm afraid things are rather busy at the moment and I couldn't just take 10 days off of being confined to barracks so no, that's that's the, the situation. However, keep the I will be, in the draw. Yeah, we do have. We, there is a, 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 a capable reporter there, and there are one or two TV crews. So yes, I think this. You know, it's a small tour. Well, it's more. It's more of a visit uh, for a day and a half. So Charles is speaking about uh, the strong and vital ties between the UK and Greece, and he will be making a speech 
later today, which is Wednesday. So in the time, Spain's time continuum yesterday. Um, and it's maybe a little glimmer of hope that things are getting back to normal. If royals are going on tours, then I might be able to have a bit of a bit of hope that we have, things will return. We have return. been down this road before. I, I this, know. We hopefully have. this time it's for real. Anyway, yes. right. Well, somebody who also has something new and exciting to look forward to is Prince Harry. He has a new job, Chief Impact Officer. I mean, great job title. Answers on a postcard to what it actually means. Well, he's chief of making an impact, isn't he? At Better Up. I mean, this sounds like, God, I'm just thinking about the Windsors and the, you know, the sitcom. Tremendous, yeah. I just hope they they need to branch out so it's some version of like W1A London 2012 style, which can just be like, anyway. Anyway, I have to to get hold of my friends. Listen to the interview I did with them last year, which was... um, goodness one of our one of our early ones in lockdown time but good fun but yeah chief impact officer at better up an app used by corporate giants including hilton facebook and the oil firm chevron to improve the well-being of their staff so i think that is increasingly a thing that businesses are are caring about mental health and well-being of their staff i know that um at reach over the last year we've now got access to various different things that we didn't have previously um so yeah what oh, do we yeah. know so, what do we know what do we about know, this what do we, know? Okay. what are we doing making the cups of tea i mean he won't be doing that because you know he's, we, we don't know if he's being paid a wage but that some industry insiders are saying that they believe he has taken some sort of equity in the firm. And why wouldn't you? Because this new firm, Better Up, is worth $1.73 billion. I mean, it's quite the startup, uh, Silicon Valley startup, as you rightly said. It's um, promoting, it's an app basically used. And it was called, someone's called it to me, Tinder for counselors. So you can sit on there. <laughs> And you can say, you know, I've got anxiety. And we shouldn't make light of this. This is actually a really good idea. And I actually, I actually think this is a, um, a, a, a tremendous idea. And, and companies like Hilton, Facebook, Chevron, um, yeah, big social media giants are going to be looking into this to, about well-being of their staff. Um, and you can go onto this app and you can say what you're sort of feeling or if you're anxious or if you've had, you're suffering from grief or that sort of thing. And, and they will match you up, a counsellor, to your feelings or your lifestyle or things like that. And Harry has said he's actually been using it. So the proof is in the pudding. And he is talking. He, talk, he gave an interview to the Wall Street Journal. And he said, I, I intend to help create impact in people's lives. Proactive coaching provides endless possibilities for personal development, increased awareness, and an all-round better life. And he talks about sort of, you know, breaking down societal barriers, financial difficulties, stigma, which is very important. But he also said, I want to move away from the idea that you have to feel be have to feel broken before reaching out for help. Now, I think this is very, very interesting because um, great, you know, he's got a job. Harry, he's going to be making big waves. And we had thoughts about this going back to his uh, speech to JP Morgan last summer. But he did say in his interview with Oprah Winfrey about how he felt ashamed not being able to speak to his family or the institution. And when Megan, his wife, was suffering so badly from, um, you know, from her mental health. She was having suicidal thoughts, she told Oprah Winfrey, when she was pregnant. And he, he spoke about feeling ashamed. So 
it's very interesting that he is now promoting this, you know, juggernaut of a of a company that is looking into people's mental health and well being, whilst he himself said, and he's been a, a mental health advocate in the past. Why he expressed the difficulty and the shame that came with feeling like that. So let's, I think we will see some sort of transition and maybe he will even bring that up in the future. Um, and speak, speaking about his journey, I mean, it sounds very accepted, doesn't it? But his journey of feeling like that, feeling like he had nowhere to turn and then, um, you know, realizing his path to helping his own mental health. And this has obviously spurred him on to, to work with this company better up. And I think we've also seen in the last few weeks, so there's um, letters from Megan going out with some SmartWorks packages. So she's continuing her association there. And um, through Archwell, they've also given some money to support an organisation which kind of encourages uh, up-and-coming journalists who essentially need somewhere to stay in London. I mean, although it would be interesting to see how things evolve in media. I mean, traditionally, London is the centre for media, but we're obviously all changing how we work. But the idea of this um, charity was to enable people who didn't necessarily have a friend's floor or sofa that they could sleep on while they were doing some work experience, but would also sort of buddy them up with experienced journalists. So that's, uh, you know, we know that they the Sussexes have have their issues with the established media or the sort of the various people. We're probably not on their Christmas card list, realistically, um, but that they are keen to to develop a new generation or work with a new generation of um, of journalist types. So it's interesting that they've put some money into that. But there's a whole load of there's a few different changes have gone on at Archwell as well. As the director has left after a year, Perry, Catherine I mean Saint Laurent. Saint Laurent. I don't know if you have to say it in a French accent, Saint Laurent, Saint Laurent, um, sounds better in French, doesn't it? But everything uh, sounds better in French. Well, it does. And I am an advocate of that. Um, yes. Well, she was brought in from the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. She's a very, very, uh, tremendously connected woman, Catherine Saint And she was brought in to be their sort of chief of staff for Archwell. And she's left her role within 11 months. So, you know, eyebrows of controversy raised, and it's quite interesting that she's now moved to a senior advisory role. Now, make of that what you will. In one corner, you may have, oh, well, she's gone on to better jobs. She's turned into a senior advisor and she's no longer chief of staff. Um, but it's a bit of a grey area of whether she's actually left the company. I mean, I, I've been told she's left the firm. She's now doing her own thing. She not, she's not a paid employee of Archwell anymore unless she's uh, brought in on this advisory basis. So um, another one of their staff leaving. I mean, and Harry had one of his staff leaving. Um, Travelist, Heather Wong left recently. People um, do leave jobs. and Well, do they leave the so quickly? I mean, it's debatable, well, I, really. I don't, listen, we, don't, we won't know the truth until Catherine comes out and says... I, Apparently on her LinkedIn, she was saying that she's tremendously proud of her work with Archwell. But a massive job like that, she'd left a plum job working for Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to work with Archwell, spoken about how excited she was, and she left it after 11 months. Maybe she's going on to bigger and better things. However, there have been a bit of deck chair moving at Archwell. Um, James Holt, their UK spokesman, uh, has gone on to be executive director, so he's sort of taken... Catherine's job um but it's quite interesting I mean 
So I, yeah, I've there got are a arguments for both sides. So yeah, and so I'll hear your theory. I've got a theory, which is when something is very new, then there is going to be a bit more sort of flux and because the people that are coming into it you're not quite sure what it is and the people who are there you're not quite sure what it is so you're not sure whether the person is the right person and the person who's coming in might not be sure if this is the right thing because you think it's going to be one thing and it ends up being something else or it ends up needing something else compared to what you thought it would so I don't I mean I don't know I think I think it's not I don't know. I mean, none well, of us know, but it's fun to talk about. It is, talk about, it is fun to talk about. And something which is fun to talk about is, um, is these Meghan Markle for president rumours. And they might seem fanciful, but at one stage, so did Donald Trump coming president. Seemed absolutely ludicrous. And, you know, whilst people may poo-poo this idea, it's, she's definitely aligning herself with some very interesting figures. Now, we've learned this week that um, Archwell is joining forces with a lady called Genevieve Roth, who will serve as a senior strategic advisor at Archwell. Now, Roth is uh, the founder of a social impact agency called Invisible Hand, and she's going to be working with Archwell on initiatives and campaigns. Now, the reason this is so interesting is because Genevieve Roth once worked for Hillary Clinton, and she's quite the strategic advisor aligned to the Democrats, and could this be a precursor for Meghan's political ambitions? George Clooney, Meghan Markle, joint ticket, done. Yes, look at it, yes. I mean, but then they just have to fight over who gets top billing. Equal, equal rights these days. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's face it, being president is a big job. <laughs> anyway. It is. I mean, again, but you know, people did think um, that it was quite fanciful for Trump to become president, and look where we were a few years later. Hang about, I've just seen another thing flash up. Oh, this is interesting. A new job. For Prince Harry, this is breaking news. He's got more jobs than George Osborne, nearly. <laughs> he has. He's joining the Aspen Digital team as the new commission on information disorder. What does this mean? Oh, this will be about the social media and everybody's mean. Oh, Surely. Hold on. I'm, read, I'm literally while, reading while this. While Russell this is, is looking news. at this, breaking news and gets his head together, I'm going to share a, one so had a huge number of different comments on our conversation about Meghan and Harry's interview but I just wanted to share one from um, Kelly O'Keefe which I think was interesting saying listening to your podcast from 311 and loving it love that you are showing both sides and you are factually I feel debunking some of the lies one thing I would like to point out I'm an American but I've also spent some time living in London over the years is that you just said American press post interview seems to be pro-Sussex true to the press but not true to the American people most of the people I know and have spoken to here see so many holes in the interview and the whole poor little rich couple during a pandemic is ridiculous Love the George Clooney comparison. Well, I've thrown in another bit of George Clooney for you, Kelly, this week. So um, thank you very much for your message and to everybody else who has sent us messages. Be in touch anytime on Instagram at Podsave and we are Twitter at Podsave as well. Russell, have you figured out what's going on? Well, okay. So Aspen Digital is, it says, we empower policymakers, civic organisations, companies and the public to be responsible stewards of technology and digital media. Uh, Aspen Institute is the firm. I mean, it's. I think it's what I said, isn't it? Like yeah, being nice much. to each other yeah. on social media. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but I mean, so, yeah, let's all be nice to be kind. 
Yeah. Um, and, yeah, fair enough. This, this is obviously the, the sphere he is working in, isn't it? So he has described and on Aspen Institute's bio, Prince Harry, as a humanitarian military vet, mental wellness advocate and environmentalist. It's Ooh. not a bad tagline, what's, what's he listed as, though? What's his name given as? It isn't. It, well, it says, yeah, Prince, Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex. It's the same okay. photo he's using in uh, Better Up. So he's, he's it's in, his LinkedIn picture, clearly. It, it is. <laughs> oh, we'll have to check. Has he got himself a LinkedIn profile? Anyway, right. So let's see where we are in the fallout from that interview. Mm. Um, so we did our thing and then um, Prince William got sort of shouted at when he was going to a, an engagement. I think it was outside of school, wasn't it? It was about sort of... It was, weird. yeah. And he was, it's, he was, it's obviously yeah. unusual for the press to shout questions at the royals. Politicians, yes. The royals, not so much the done thing, apart from when it is matters of sort of great import and um, priority. So he was saying, this is, you know, we are absolutely not a racist family. Um at which point, obviously, everybody. Um, well, it's punchy. Isn't it? on to- yeah, because Charles had sort of bumbled his way through mumble or just sort of nervously Awkward. laughing when he yeah awkwardness when he he was asked about um yes know, the and then said please send my regards to the whole of nigeria as well which was just I mean, a bit like- that's just charles really yeah. again so he was just talking to he was talking to a nurse wasn't he, he was yeah at uh, one of the vaccination centers at a mosque in finsbury park i believe and uh asking where someone was from and they said nigeria and you know that may provided a, a bit of titillation for someone but i you know that's just charles being charles however what's very very interesting in this is that harry has um, william has felt so passionate that he was moved to answer a question like you say it's very very rare for uh, members of the pack to be shouting at the royals like they do um notoriously to politicians outside downing street but fair play to william he took it on the chin i mean i think you could tell the frustration in his voice at the time when he was saying no, I haven't spoken to him, but I will do, uh, when he was asked whether he's spoken to his brother. And then obviously he responded about um, when, when being asked, is a, is a royal family a racist family? And he said, no, we are very much not a racist family. And think for him to respond in that way is, is to really put a marker down and, and tell, gives you an indication of, of how um, upset he has been. And I, and I, and I will give props to a, a colleague of mine, Roy Nikar at the Sunday Times, who wrote an incredible profile of William in the Sunday Times magazine at the weekend, um, speaking to people very close to, to William. And again, sort of telling you a lot, what a lot of us have been speaking about, but it, it, it built it in one place for, for the first time since this whole um, debacle has, has been ongoing, is about how... Um, William feels about a lot of these issues, how he felt that Harry did blindside the Queen, how he felt that he had disrespected the Queen, how his relationship has really deteriorated and certainly that the friends of William had told the Sunday Times that, um, you know, that the brothers have been through an awful lot and that, 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 that bond still remains very, very strong for them. But the issues of the last, you know, year few weeks even have left such a hole in the relationship that some do wonder whether it can ever ever be repaired and certainly we have their their meeting on july 1st which i'm told is still um very much 
in the diary for both camps, this unveiling of the statue of Princess Diana in the sunken garden at Kensington Palace. Um, you know, but will the camera doesn't lie and will we be able to to see an awful lot of attention i remember well, looking the camera back on, does lie did well, anyone spot I that megan was miserable that night at cirque du soleil we didn't yeah maybe i mean you know? I, I, I mean i'm talking more as like the t- when you could tell the tension between them at the Con- commonwealth day event mm. i mean gosh it was True. just so icy but yeah you're right i mean if you're going to turn up to a, an event like that and all smiles and you're actually at, at breaking point, then, then, then yes. Um, I just think with the, with them two, it's not going to be this sort of brothers of old larking around, you know, joking, unfortunately. And it's, um, we, yeah, it will take time. There's a, there's a huge hole at the moment, isn't there? And it's, and it needs to be repaired. On what you're time. saying about the profile of Prince William and I mean, fair play to Roya because she did a, an amazing piece the week before as well, which also had various bits, including people saying it's a surprise to Prince Charles that Prince Harry felt that he was cut off because he has seen the bank statements, which was amazing. And there was an F-bomb that was dropped somewhere as well. Where's it gone? Well, What effing hypocrisy? Well, someone told me, I think a few days before that, is um, uh, which was quite curt. How on earth are people, does Harry think, uh, that people should have sympathy for a 36-year-old man who's just had to find his own way in the world, who's a millionaire in his own right, and he's complaining of being cut off mm. by his father. Um, listen, there's an awful lot of intricacies and high fee- high, high feelings, aren't there, at, at the moment? And that's, but, uh, but I think it comes back to, so Gail King obviously then said, they have now spoken, but it was unproductive. Um, and I was like, well, I kind of shared the comment that one of our listeners had said. So now Harry and Meghan have spoken out in a tell-all interview. How can the royal family ever again trust any conversations they have with them will remain private? Yeah. To which the sort of the pushback from people who are sort of more Sussex camp was saying, well, the royal family have always been able to get their message out. And, you know, the stuff that you're talking about in the Prince William profile and, you know, the, the kind of even the fact that... Previously, it had already been reported that, yes, contact had now been made, you know, confirming what that William, as William had said, they were going to have a call and that that call had happened, albeit it hadn't sort of shared the outcome of it or the feeling after it. Um, and then, so I think that is, I think that is interesting. Some, some people do see it as the royal family do have their outlet, they can have their say. And that was all Harry and Meghan were doing in that in that interview yeah it's an interesting one isn't it because obviously uh we have sources the people who are close to to the royals and will tell us certain things at certain times and they are reported and some conversations you don't report um and it's changed the game isn't it i mean it's a bit rich of uh, gail king to come on and say i'm not trying to break news here while well, you're going to break the internet while you're talking about private conversations between harry and william but um i I guarantee you there is a nervousness inside the camp that if every single conversation um, from Harry and Meghan is now going to be spread over American breakfast television. So, you know, these relationships are going to take time to to heal. Um, And I'm I'm sure that uh, either camp will not want um, such candidness whilst they're trying to... um, to, to try and move forward and and help people come together once again. 
Um, very briefly before we wrap up, what's the latest on the bullying inquiry? And also there's been talk of a diversity chief being appointed at the past. Yes. Well, this is interesting because obviously the bullying inquiry is, is, was, was quite publicly stated, wasn't it? The fact that they're going to um, launch an investigation, internal probe, and they're bringing in outside lawyers to, to, to look at that, which is very, very interesting. Um, no update on that as yet. So it's now um, less ent- internal and a bit more well, external. Very, very much external, I think, you know, from the, from the, from the moment that they were saying that they're going to look into it, that they're going to now have this uh, external law firm look into it, um, whilst on the other foot saying that the allegations of racism made by Meghan and Harry and the uh, ill feeling towards processes within the institution and the family, um, that is being dealt with, as the Queen stated in her in her own words, um, as a, it's a family matter and they want to deal with this internally. So those, the sort of juxtaposition of, of these two issues um, are causing quite a lot of drama internally, I think. So whilst we will wait to see what happens, you know, maybe we'll hear it on Gail King's morning show or maybe you'll hear it on Pod Save the Queen. I don't, I don't know at the moment. We will have to see. And just on that point of the diversity chief, this, um, this is very interesting because it's, it's of the moment. However, the royal family was certainly making headway in this arena, shall we say, to try and make the institution, the firm. It is a big company. You know, it is run like a company in certain quarters um, to make it more diverse. And um, they have a lot to do, I would suggest, like an awful lot of companies in terms of uh, equality, trans rights, disability rights, representation within the workforce um, could be argued. So, um, yes, a diversity czar is being considered to be appointed and um, and watch this space with it. But, uh, yeah, it's very, very topical at the moment because obviously everything that Harry and Meghan had raised. So lots going on. Lovely to catch up with you, Russell. Yeah, I'm glad lovely. you had a nice week off. Um, is there is there much going on that we know about in the next week or is it going to be a surprise? Will it be well, you we... or a special guest? Who knows? Well... I don't know. I wish I had a crystal ball, but I do know. Well, make sure you're subscribed and then and then you'll get the yes. episode for whatever. Charles and Camilla in Greece having a very nice time, I'm sure. Um, and I'm sure that will turn up lots of lovely content and pictures. Watch this place. Absolutely. All right. Well, listeners, thank you very much for joining us for a right royal catch up with kind of two weeks of news galloped through. Um and it, who knows what will happen over the next week. Um, if you are feeling like it is a year on and you are reflecting on your time, then um, during that time, however hard it has been, I hope you have managed to come through it with friends and family. And if we have been a small part of providing some entertainment or distraction along the way, then we are very glad to have been able to keep you company through it. Um, And we have got no plans or going anywhere anytime soon. So do keep joining us on Thursdays or whenever you want to listen. Um, Subscribe, find us on Twitter and Instagram, but stay safe, stay well. And until next time, Pod Save the Queen!